prayer today as we bow our heads together maybe there's some needs that's upon your heart today a situation you want God to just pass by your way just raise your hand to him right now and just say Jesus don't pass me by I need ministering to I need help I need your grace Lord father as we bow before your throne of grace today it is there that we can always find help in our time of need. We need you, Lord, today. We're just asking for your grace upon our lives, Lord. For your mercies that endure forever. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today and you would reveal yourself in a mighty way in our midst. Lord, we're here just as a vessel that you can speak through. And I pray that you'd anoint us today by your Holy Spirit. Lord, across the way, up through the states, Brother Timothy is minister now. And the youth are, God, coming to the conclusion of their service. I just pray, Lord, that today will be a moment of a climax, of an outpouring of your Holy Spirit that you have been doing through the meetings. And we hear the glad tidings of deliverance. Lord, oh God, but may today be a capstone where that you come in a mighty way and that you deal with the hearts of your children, that you anoint him, give him words that's beyond his capability to say, but life-changing words. I pray God for Brother Joe Adams that is ministering down in, in Florida today, that you would also use our brother as a son in the gospel, a dearly beloved brother in Christ, Lord, is ministering the word there. And I pray that you'll just, again, use him for your glory and pour out an anointing upon the service beyond the, his capability because we, we are unable to do anything without you. And then, Lord, today in this service, that you'd meet the needs of your children. They raise their hands to you. I pray that you would supply them according to your riches and glory. Lord, here in my hands are prayer cloths. Oh, God, and where that little heart is reached out to you. And send us prayer cloths and say, my, my family, my children, my loved ones, they're in 
desperate need. They need, they, they need a deliverance. Brother Tim, would you just pray? Would you just mention them before the throne? And Lord, today we bring that family to you that you'll meet that need, Lord, according to your promise that you made. Lord, for those that are not able to be here, oh God, today, Brother George, Sister Trish, that's so sick, touch them, I pray, and bring healing. My brother Jeff, Lord, who's just lost a mother-in-law, and now sadness comes again with the loss of a mother and his dad in a COVID unit there in Monroe. I pray, God, you'll just comfort them as only you can. Give them strength, Lord, in this, in this troublesome hour. Lord, I just ask it in Jesus' name that you'll bless your people around the world, Lord, as we gather in and we look at the word of God and the word of promise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Give us strength, courage, and ability, for we depend on you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Oh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord, and we're grateful to God for his goodness to us. Amen. I want to send greetings around the world today as um, I have certainly been made aware of many, many, many that listen in and have sent us uh, cards and, and emails and texts and phone calls from literally around the world, India, South Africa, over into um, uh, to other areas of Africa, over into Europe, over in Canada, um, and of course, all over the United States. And uh, we want to just express thanks for all the love that was shown to me and my family um, during the departing of my wife, Sister Karen, and uh, many of you uh, were so kind to us, sat in the hospital with her, um, brought food, tidied up my house, helped in so many ways, and and it showered us with so much love and kindness, we can never repay it all. And I also want to say thanks to all that came and showed their support. I think there was between 15 and 20 states and Canada who were represented here, and um, a host of ministers that came. Someone wasn't in the photograph we took because they, they came for the visitation and wasn't able to stay for the rest of it. But uh, my goodness, we... Had, we were ministered to in so many different ways. And, of course, the ministry that was here, Brother Ron, Brother Donnie, Brother Wendell, uh, Brother Danny Steeman, and um, also Brother Wayne Lawson that, that spoke, and then the many others that, that um, participated in the service. It was, it was just wonderful. Brother Jeremy Schreiner was, certainly blessed us with his songs and worship to the Lord, and we had a great time. Amen. It was a great celebration. And I was very proud of you because that's what we're to do. We're to celebrate and to rejoice in what God has given us. We have been blessed beyond measure. Amen. And, um, you know, it's, um, you know it, we, it's not been revealed to me yet as to what God's purpose and plan is. But we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. As stated in the church age book, he may commit you to death as he did Paul. He may commit you to suffering as he did Job. That is his prerogative. He is sovereign, but it is all with a purpose. If he did not have a purpose, then he would be the author of frustration and not of peace. His purpose is that after we have suffered a while, we should be made perfect, be established, strengthened, and settled as Job said, he puts his strength, puts strength in us. 
And I just like to say we're not defeated. We're not about to surrender. And many of those that were listed in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, which is the chapter of the heroes of faith, um, they went by the way of the grave, yet they did not die faithless. They all died in faith. That's what the Bible said. These all died in faith. And there's no shame in, in death or going by the way of the grave simply because God does not intend us for us to live in these corruptible bodies forever. So he actually sets a limit to our time here upon the earth. In fact, not only God, not only that, but God does not leave the, the dead in Christ out. In fact, they are preferred before us. For the Bible said they will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. We're having some wonderful reports that are coming in from the youth camp. And one of our young men, um, you know, Brother William Butts called me the other night after the service to say he and his brother Joshua received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We have asked God for miracles. And there's your miracles you've been wanting to see. God is still moving. These are the greatest miracles. Amen. So God is still moving among us. And we thank him for that. First John chapter 3 and verse 1, as we look into the word of God, we're expecting him just to anoint the word to our hearts and reveal himself to us. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and yet it doth not and, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then 1 John 4 and verse 4, you are of, little, of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I have one more scripture that I'm going to read, but I'm going to let you be seated as we read that one. Amen, and trusting God will bless his word this morning. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1, it's a, it's a scripture that's referring to our day, to our hour. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again, saying, 
Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And you can see by this reading here that the bride of Christ gets, has the last prophecy. Amen. Today we're going to be speaking on the Messiah's. We, of course, are living in the greatest hour of the world the world has ever seen. It is bride time. It is the bride age where that God has called the people out of the tombs of religion and is bringing forth a resurrection in this hour. Now, you know, you, some might object and say, well, surely not, Brother Tim. It's, you know, we're living in a time of great trouble, and it's a time of death. It's a time where horrible things are happening. And, and there, are, of course, are hundreds or thousands of people that are being slaughtered right now, even as the U.S. disgracefully pulls out of Afghanistan. And we even have believers there who have received the Lord and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they're stranded there. And, the, you know, the, and, and, and other places, like in Myanmar, where we were building um, a church there, it sets uncompleted, and believers are only able to meet in small groups because of the military takeover of the, of the government, bringing instability and horrible, horrible persecution. There are believers in China, your brothers and sisters that are in prison or for just possessing or sharing a King James Bible. You know, there are, as we look, there are pre-tribulation plagues that are falling and Satan's anointing and his fear is almost so thick you can almost feel it. And it's a dark spirit everywhere. As we see friends, ah, oh, precious friends, like our brother Jim Babb that was mentioned today, a dear friend that is dying of COVID, that has died of COVID, and others that are dying of COVID and diseases and afflictions, and many others are confused and others are falling away. And yeah, there's tremendous suffering that's happening right now in Haiti. After a recent earthquake and thousands are now dead. And so there's calamities and there's troubles and there's pre-tribulation plagues and there are rights that are breaking out. There is instability. There are people that are, that, that are right daily, you know, asking, Lord, you know, please, you know, just for our bread. Please just send something to, to give us to eat in India and Africa and other places that are are just in, in dire need today. And it's, it's kind of like Cleopas and his friends on the road to Emmaus. Remember, Jesus had died and was now buried, and, and they're on their way to Emmaus. They were told by Jesus to go into 
um, into, the, into Jerusalem and to wait, but, but you know, they could not comprehend at all the greatness of the hour that they were in. The hour was so dark, yet at the same time, there were so many great things that were transpiring. And these believers, their minds were filled with the sight of their Lord and Master being spit upon and beaten and crucified and then dead, hanging on a cross and sealed into a, behind a tomb, guarded by Roman soldiers. And to them, there was nothing that was glorious about the present hour. It was filled with pain, confusion, wild stories, unanswered questions of why, why, why. You know, you know the, the, there were many prayers that had been prayed that were seemingly unanswered. The anguish of Jesus himself upon the cross uh, crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The anguish of the men and women and, and disciples who had cried and prayed for hours for deliverance, hoping, believing, praying that any moment the power of God would, uh, that they had previously seen displayed that could open the eyes of the blind, that could heal diseases, could make the cripples walk. And, you know, uh, yet they'd seen it displayed, and yet they were hoping, praying, believing now that any moment it would take him off of the cross. And there was terrible disappointment of the disciples because things just simply hadn't turned out the way they had planned it. Things wouldn't happen the way they thought it would be. And, and uh, they, they were wondering and they were pondering and they were talking about it. And they, as they walked along the road to Emmaus, you know, death and disappointments and heartaches, they all ever one fit into God's great program. Why? Because always he has something better. Amen. We prayed for healing for Sister Karen, but God had a greater healing. Amen. We, we pray, we ask for things, but God, he, he gives us what we need, sometimes not what we think we need. But you see, but I, I want to point out to you, this is a resurrection hour. If I could just get it to your heart this morning, you know, that it's not just a, a time of calamity and trouble and problems, but it is a resurrection hour. It is where the time, as we have been dealing with them in Daniel chapter 12, where the, Michael, the great prince, stands up on the behalf of God's people. It is a time when Satan, this one who has brought sorrow and sin and persecution and sickness and death, is now being cast down. It is a time where Satan's accusation is over because the blood has justified a people and has made them without spot or wrinkle or blemish. It is a time where people's faith will not fail. And when they, look, when they will look in the face of adversity and their faith will prevail. I'm speaking to people today who doesn't just have faith, but they have prevailing faith that will prevail in the time of difficulty, 
It is a time when a people rises on the scene and they break the cycle of revival and death. And instead of getting colder and more weary and more, and more dreary and more broke down, they will become more revived and empowered and rising up in the face of adversity. It is a time where the church rises and returns to the power of Pentecost and prevails and welcomes back the Lord Jesus. A bride, a people who will not go down and repeat what the Ephesus age did, who aimed at the high calling and relaxed their grip. This is not, and I want to get this clear to you because many times we are mistaken in our preaching thinking that we are trying to revive Azusa Street or even that we're trying to repeat the day of Pentecost. But I, you know, the, it is not a repeat of the day of Pentecost. The Azusa movement repeated that when they went back down into death again. They rose up only to fail. But I want you to know we are in the hour of the fulfillment of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost is fully come, amen, not come to go down into defeat, but come to take a people into complete and total victory. Now, this may be a little over the head for some of you, but hold tight and we'll come back maybe to something more, more simpler for you. But he comes in three sons' names. He comes as son of man, and he reveals himself in prophetic form. He comes as son of God and reveals himself as the spirit of God through the ages. And then he comes again as, as we come to the end time and reveals himself once more and repeats the same thing again, revealing himself in a prophetic way. Amen. But then he will come and reign as son of David over in the millennial reign. So we're, we're living in an hour where there is wonderful, marvelous things that are taking place. On the day of Pentecost, he came as the son of God, the spirit, because God is a spirit. And, and this brought in the son of God dispensation, which has reigned through the seven ages. But here at the end of the ages, how many believe we're at the end of the ages? where it's not another Baptist age or Presbyterian age or Lutheran age or Pentecostal age, but it is now the bride age where infancy is past, where immaturity is past, where it's adoption age, it's mature grain age, it is the eagle age, it's the rapture age. It's the age of the son of man. That's why we don't look for another upper room where 120 are gathered and the church is born. This is not the birth of the church. This is the coronation of the church. Amen. It's when the Son of Man is revealed as in the days of Sodom. And that visitation brings about a change. And the long-awaited promised Son comes. Amen. And he says, as we read today, and I saw another mighty angel. It is son of man dispensation. And it's anointing. And it's not an Azusa Street anointing upon just the flesh and, and just the spirit realm. Oh, we saw many of them, you know, get it. And it was a genuine Holy Ghost, even sometimes speaking in genuine Holy Spirit tongues but yet not a real change to the soul. 
and see them go right back out into sin and, and darkness again. But it's not an Azusa Street anointing just upon the flesh and the spirit realm, though some may still get it that way. But there is something greater than that. We are living in a day where it's not just an empty jump or an empty shout with no change to the life. It's upon the soul. And it seals unto the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, this bride is not another church who ends up as a failure. She cannot fall. She, unlike Pentecost of 2,000 years ago, is predestinated not to fall. God predestinated them to go as a seed into the ground because there would be many more that would come after them. But God in this day has declared, I'm not planting this church. They will not all go by the way of the grave. They will not go into decay. They will not decline. Amen. But they will be gathered into my barn. They will be raptured. Hallelujah. We are not like Pentecost of 2,000 years ago like that. But we are a people who receive the word. And instead of going into decline, we keep accelerating. We keep rising higher. We keep moving on. We keep advancing. Christ, the mystery of God revealed. Brother Branham talks about this and says, predestinated. Well, we can look back and we can say that some in that first stage that were predestinated, you know, to, to God allowing them to go into the decay and decline and break out into the church ages and, and into the dark ages and, and God predestinated the people in every one of those ages. Are you with me? Amen, but we're predestinated, that's the mystery. See, he, before Christ or anything was ever on the earth, you see his great mystery that he chose the bride. Knowing that Eve would fall from disbelieving the word, knowing she would fall, but he would choose a bride that would not fall, that would hold to that word regardless of what the rest of the world had to say about it. They would hold to that word. They are predestinated to stand there. The adoption of children by Jesus Christ predestinated that church to that great glorious stand. How wonderful is that? Do you realize others were destined for different things? Some were destined to go down to death in the dark ages. Some were destined there to, to protest the Catholic church and bring a reformation. Some were destined to preach holiness. Some were destined to preach on gifts and see the Holy Spirit fall. Some were destined in, in, in different ways. But you have been destined, predestined not to fall. Hallelujah. What a promise that is. We're not just simply those who wash their robes in the blood of the lamb and make them white. Amen, like those in Revelation 7 who have to go through tribulation and miss the rapture and they gotta go through, they gotta go through further purging. Though we are truly washed by the blood and our sins loosed and every stain of sin gone, 
I want to just say we are more than that. We are the blood of God by a new birth. Hallelujah. Amen. Every child that is born of human parents is born of those parents' blood. And since our parent in the new birth is God, we are born of his blood. Come on. Amen. So we are the blood of God by the new birth. How many is born again? Well, you weren't born of corruptible seed, Peter said. But you were born again of the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. You are incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. Excuse me here just a moment. Incorruptible. See, the church, he says, is the blood of Christ by the spirit. Because the life is in the blood. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that baptizes us into his body, that recognizes only his body, his flesh, his word. Denomination won't never touch that. It's a revelation. She knows it. So did Eve know it, but she failed. But this one knows it and won't fall. She is ordained. Hallelujah. She's ordained not to fall. She won't fail. She is predestinated to it. Blessed is the man whom God will not impute sin. Hallelujah. A people ordained not to fall. Hallelujah. Now, the coming of the mighty of the Holy Spirit in the form of this mighty angel with the open book, it brings its people into a messianic age where there is again a Messiah upon the earth. You say, well, we're looking for the Lord, Brother Tim. We're looking for his coming. Well, certainly there is a meeting in the air. Don't ever forget it. It is the hope of the believer. Believers believe that. Amen. But however, again, you know, we, we, we know that there is a Messiah now upon the earth. There is a form that Christ is in that he's here in our midst today. Amen. Not coming, but here. Amen. Not not something that is abstract, but present. Something that is real. Hallelujah. Amen. And, And so there is a Messiah upon the earth. He said, what in the world do you mean by Messiah? What do you mean by Messiah, Brother Tim? A Messiah is an anointed one of God. Now, here's what Brother Branham said, and who do you say this is? Give me a church. Are you ready for this? That's so completely anointed with God till their ever-moving action is thus saith the Lord. Walk in that kind of glory and I'll show you a Messiah, an anointed one of God standing upon the earth. Hallelujah. So Brother Branham tells us that a church surrendered to God and anointed to God, walking in this kind of glory is a Messiah. An anointed one of God standing upon the earth. Now, friends, that's what we saw this anointing due to a man, our messenger, it took him beyond anything denominations ever experienced. 
denominations could never carry you that far. It made him a Messiah. Now, not the Messiah. There's only one the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ. But a little Messiah, an anointed one of God, a full-fledged son. Amen. Now, remember, as Christ descends, he descends from heaven with a shout. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So you see, here he comes as he descends. He starts his descension, and he does three things as he descends, right? He has a shout, he has a voice, and a trump. Now, all of these are phases of his coming. Amen. Not one of them singularly is his coming, and one cannot be complete without the other. Amen. If you miss the shout, you're not going to be the voice. If you don't become the voice, you'll never hear the trump. All right? So you see, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, this ain't a funeral scripture. This was a prophecy for the last day that we often refer to to comfort one another with these words, but that's not, that's not what it is. It's a prophecy. Amen. And when God gives a prophecy, there has to come a fulfillment. And we're not living in the day of the prophecy. We're living in the hour of the fulfillment. Are you with me? Now, so you see, he comes with a shout. So his first phase of his coming is with a shout, a mighty message. Uh, You know, it's got to be saying something or it means nothing. Right? It's just an uncertain sound. So you see, it's got to have a meaning. It's got to be saying something. If he descends from heaven with a shout, he's got to have something he's saying. There is a purpose. He's gathering. He is, he is bringing people up to, to a, a message. They're hearing what the Spirit is saying. Are you with me? Amen. So let's, let's look at here as we go back to Revelation 10, 1, and let's take a look at here because this is the, the scripture of, of his coming in our day. Amen. 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 This again is like Pentecost in the, sen- in the sense it's not a physical coming. It's a supernatural event. It, of course, will finally materialize in a physical form. It's important you never get your eyes off of his, his of, of, of the, the rapture. The, the, you know, sometimes we can explain this so much we, away till we don't even appreciate anymore the coming of the Lord Jesus. But as we look at this, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was upon his head, His face was as it were the sun, his feet as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book open, and his right foot was upon, set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and he cried. He what? He cried, that is, he shouted. He wasn't weeping, 
We didn't need to hand him a box of Kleenexes. He wasn't crying. He was shouting. And he shouted with a loud voice. And he does it as a lion roars. Hallelujah. Because when a lion, the king of the jungle, speaks and roars, even the locusts and the insects shut up. Why? The king has spoken. Amen. This lion's roar ceases every other voice. Hallelujah. Amen. You want to talk about critics? You want to talk about unbelievers and what they're saying? I can't hear it. Amen. It's all been silenced by the king's voice. It's all been silenced by a shout. Amen. The silence has, has come upon all of them, but for us, the silence has been broken. Hallelujah. He shouted with a loud voice as when a lion roared, and when he had shouted or cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, all of this is symbology in the Bible. The book of Revelation is a book of symbols. And the lion's roar is the king's message. And it comes through a prophet. Because the Lord God will do nothing except he reveals his secrets to his servants and prophets, Amos 3, 7. So you see, this, this is it's a lion's roar. The king's message comes through a prophet. And when it does, the voice of God thunders out, breaking the silence on things that have been, that have been silenced for thousands of years now. But this time, it's not a sealed utterance. It's not something sealed up for another generation. We are the generation it was spoken for. Hallelujah. Amen. It is not a sealed utterance or a sealed book, but this time, it comes down as an open book, as a prophetic utterance. What is it? It's the Son of Man, Christ, our Lord Jesus Revealing himself through a son of man, a prophet. Amen. Now you see, Christ had to come in word form first. You got to understand the sequence of his coming. He couldn't just come and appear. Nobody, nobody would be prepared for his coming. Amen. Men had lost their way. We got 40,000 different denominations, uh, denominations out there. Try to wade through all of them. Try to figure, figure them all out. See where they're on or where they're off. Are you with me? Amen. But you see, Christ had to come in word form before he can come in groom form. Yes, we want the meeting in the air. Yes, we want the resurrection of the saints. Yes, we want you know, our loved ones to appear to us. Amen. We want to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, don't we? Amen. But before he could do that, he had to send a message to turn our hearts back to faith again. Back to the original faith. Amen. So, he, so again, he would send a preparation, something to prepare us for that coming. He would send, as he did in the first age, a John the Baptist to forerun his coming, an Elijah ministry that would go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And, would, and as he would go forth in that, he would, he would bring forth a message to, to prepare 
to prepare a people to receive a message. Amen. Prepare a, pe- a people to receive a word, a word that would set them straight, that would bring them back into balance, that would give them understanding. As Daniel 12 said, none of the wicked will have understanding, but the wise shall understand. Amen. So there had to come an understanding. And to do that, God would send a forerunner. And this forerunner would prepare the way. It was, you know, he would make the path for the word to come behind. Brother Branham would say in the church age book, it says it this way, and, and, and uh, Brother Kalen, who's listening in from South Africa, pastor there, God bless you and the saints there, Brother Kalen, we love you. Amen. But in the exposition to the seven church ages, Brother Kalen shared this to him with me. This, oh, I read it first about two in the morning. He is some, sending someone who is so far from organization, education, and the world of religion that as John the Baptist and, and Elijah bold, he will hear only from God because he will have thus saith the Lord and speak for God. He will be God's mouthpiece. And he, as it is declared in Malachi 4, 6, will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. He will bring back the elect of the last day and they will hear a vindicated prophet give the exact truth as it was to with Paul. He will restore the truth as they had it. And those elect with him in that day, are you with me? Ready for this? Amen. Those elect with him in that day will be the ones who truly manifest the Lord and be his body and be his voice and perform his works. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Amen. That's exactly right. They will be his body, will be his voice and perform his works. You cannot do that without being a Messiah. Amen. You have to be an anointed church. Hallelujah. Amen. This word coming was promised. A message that would come to turn our hearts back. The spoken word's original seed, Brother Branham would share with us his mission. He said, my mission, I believe that God has called me for. And I have to say some personal things today because that's what I told you I would do and tell the world. My mission, I believe to the earth is what? To forerun the coming word. See, the coming word, which is Christ. Now he told us he would would absolutely be sent of God to forerun the coming word. And that word would be Christ. And in Christ would be, and the word is in Christ and him has the millennium, everything in there, every promise of the word lays there within that message. And he did. He foreran it. He foreran it with divine healings, with miracles. Thousands of them, not one or two. Amen. He had them with signs showing the presence of the word, discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He forerun with the vindication of the coming word. He proved it's the word I'm bringing. Because the word is the only thing that can discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it would prove that it was the word. We needed vindication. 
Now, the Baptists have their vindication from their school. Every, every Presbyterian pastor will have his vindication of, uh, that he is sent by them and that he is trained by them and he's qualified to speak for them because they have a certificate from him, right? That is, that's the way they do in denomination. But God would send a forerunner who was uneducated, who did not use the thoughts of man, who would have to hear directly from God himself. And God would certify that his message was not a man, but it was of God. It would give witness to it, service after service, telling people where they were from, what their address was, what their sickness was, what their future would be, even what happened 40 years ago. God vindicated. And there has to be a message first. Remember, First things first, you don't get changed and then the message. You don't become the voice and don't know what to say. There has to come a message. And, and, and it's the word. You say, well, that's it, Brother Tim. See, it ain't all this hooping and hollering. It's a word revival, you know. But it's not an intellectual revival. Amen. It's Brother Branham said the gospel isn't word only, but through power and manifestation of the Holy Spirit, it would produce the signs of Mark 16 when he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. These signs shall follow them. The word itself is dead until it becomes into an action and produces life. So under, understand, it's not, a, it's not a, a teaching. It's not just a doctrine with no life in it. It's a word with power in it. Transforming power. Healing power. Deliverance power. But I just want to inform you, if you think for a moment that there's all, all there is to, to the coming is a prophet with a message, you're sadly mistaken. And if you think that's the summit, and that's the climax, and that's the product, and that's what God wanted was just that. You are really mistaken. You see, you know, this has been the spirit of denomination wants to cabbage down on one little part of it and say this is it, and that's all. That, you know, as Brother Timothy read the quote the other day of reaching the summit, every one of them believed they had reached the summit. But I want you to know, even though it was wonderful what God did, sending a messenger, sending a message, and if you haven't heard it, you ought to be hearing it. And it's a value, it's a worth, it's a great importance. Amen, you, again, you know, unless you get the first part, you'll never get the second part. Amen. But if you think that's all there is to it is a prophet coming with a message, you're mistaken. This message was not about just a prophet. It was not just manifesting the, the, the Christ in a prophetic form of, of a man who would be Elijah. And though he was, and though he had a great work, and though he is a great man, and though we honor that, and we appreciate that, and we recognize that. 
And we know it's a message from God. But again, I want you just to think of this. As Brother Branham told us, in spoken words, original seed, as the end time prophecies repeat. I think you ought to write that down. In time prophecies repeat. Now he's going back into the scripture and he said these prophecies are repeating in the end time. As the first forerunner came from the wilderness and cried, behold the Lamb of God. The second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word born bride. So not only would he forerun and prepare the way for the word, a message to come, but he would prepare the way for a bride to come. If you would just get it, he was your forerunner. He was preparing the way for you to come. Amen. He was coming forth and said, there's going to be more just like this. Amen, I'm not the fulfillment of it all. There's a people, there's a bride, there's an elect. Amen, who, who will be the embodiment of the prophecies. Amen. He said he would point the people to a word-born bride, and then he said the bride of Christ will be pointed to the skies at the appearing of Jesus screaming, behold, the Lamb of God will come forth from his lips. God help us to be ready for this near event. But by the way, talking about behold the Lamb of God. There has to be a lamb on earth for a marriage to take place with the lamb. I want you to just ponder on that just for a moment. The Bible is clear that species must marry species. That kind must, must unite with kind. God cannot just take anything. He has to have a lamb, a bride who is the lamb of God upon the earth, obedient, surrendered, yield to him. Come on now. Amen. So there is a bride, there is a lamb coming in the skies, but there's got to be a lamb on earth to match up with the lamb coming from heaven. So in order for Jesus to come, in order for him to be here, he has to come in word form and then in bride form. Amen. Amen. Now we take it another step because again, it's not that you do away with the other, it's just one is is advancing the other on. Are you with me now? So therefore, the lamb of God, that the first forerunner will, will, the second forerunner will probably do the same by pointing the people to a word-born bride. I want to say today, behold the lamb of God. The bride, the elect lady. Not just here in Evening Light Tabernacle, but around the world. A people who have been not just washed, but born of his blood. A people who who are so united with him until he and them are the same, that they are actually his body upon the earth. Amen. 
Now, as he said in Christ the Mystery, which you know I've been studying, there would come a time forth when he could express himself in the fullness of his Godhead deity through his church, have the preeminence in his church. What? The anointed man, now the anointed people. Oh my, to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom. Anointed by, why? Accepting what Eve turned down, which was the word. She denied the word of God and Adam and coming back with the anointing of the word because he said, my word is spirit. See, anointed with the word. What Eve turned down, we come back and accept. And Eve believed everything. She failed on one point, that God would keep his word, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there is a bride in this end time who is going to believe every word of God. Amen. They're going to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. These men and women are that, as that church, not, not so much individually, but as that church they are anointed messiahs. Now, as he said in perfect faith, we become anointed with that same spirit, anointed messiahs, anointed messiahs of the last day to shine forth the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to show he's not dead, but in the form of the Holy Ghost, he's in his people, he's moving among his bride, with a love affair to her, pouring out to her, into her himself, and they become one for the wedding supper. And the same signs promised by the same God in the same word is making his same manifestation, and there's nothing left for us to do but believe it. Amen. How many can say, I believe it? Nothing left for us to do but believe it. Amen. Believe it, he said, is a substance, and that creates a perfect faith. Oh, just think how numb we are. Just think just a minute. Oh, and I just say, don't be numb. Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. This is what he said to them on the maze walk. Again, look, we find now, remember, we are flesh of his flesh. Bone of his bone, and as God raised his bones and flesh out of the grave, they cannot hide the man that has the potentials. Death cannot take him. Jesus said, all the Father has given to me will come, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Oh, my, Easter. Why? We're right in Easter. When he raised, we raised with him. He sent the abstract back. That's the Holy Ghost. Our deed is clear. We hold it as the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's alive forevermore. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8 proves that he is the same. His messianic anointed ones believe that. What is the Messiah? Messiah is anointed one. And now if he was anointed by being the anointed one for that day to fulfill the word of God, to be the redeemer, and, and the anointed one, and God has raised up that body, his bride, are you ready for this? His bride is the anointed one for this day. It's already raised with him in the resurrection because these two are one. Hallelujah. I'm looking across 
in this very dark hour, and I'm seeing resurrection life all over this building. Amen. I, I went, I went, Brother Tim and George Winters, both of them brothers, they took me and Brother Timothy up into Colorado. As we're riding along, I'm just, I'm just remembering, and, and, and I'm just thinking again of, of where Jesus found them. That they were dead in sins and trespasses. Amen. They are miracles. If you never see another miracle, they are miracles. Amen. That God would take them out of a life of sin. And you see even friends and relatives that were around them and the kind of life that they lived and the wretchedness and the condition and the death. Are you with me? Dying condition. And God raised them men up. Amen. And changed them and made them and gave them a new life. And drugs and alcohol and filthy sex things and everything else fell off. And he transformed and he made them new creatures. I'm talking about resurrected ones. I'm talking about ones that was dead in sins and trespasses. Hallelujah, but now they're alive forevermore. And they too have the keys of death and of hell. And there is nothing can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about the power of transformation, the power of resurrection. Sometimes we see all the darkness. We see all the fears around. We see all the troubles and we fail to see a resurrection is taking place. Sometimes we think about the gates of hell being against us, and Jesus said it would be. But listen what Brother Bradman said the gates of hell are against. He said, watch and see where the gates of hell is against. It isn't against denomination. The government recognizes that, it ain't. The world recognizes our denominations, all of them. We have a right, each one of us as American citizens, the rights of denomination, which is fine, we appreciate that. But that's not what the gate of hell's against. It is against the spiritual revelation of Christ being here now. The same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what is against. The gates of hell shall be against it, but it shall never prevail. The gates of hell are against Christ being here now. That revelation that he's here present now, that he's here in his church, that God is in his people. Amen. Sure, God was in his universe. Amen, he created the sun and all the moon and everything else and you can see him in nature. God's in his universe. God was in his son. But that's not where God is now. God is in his people. I'm talking about on earth where God is. Where he's in now is God is in his people. A people who the word, oh God, the message has went further than books and tapes. It has been transferred into hearts and lives. Yes. Hallelujah. 
Amen. And it doesn't take years of study to do that. It takes one moment in the presence of God and he'll write his very nature in your life. The gates of hell shall be against it. What? Be against what? The revelation that Christ is here now. Brother Branham said in the message, Super Sign, I'm thankful for a church universal. Triumph. Already predestinated, called and sealed and ordained to that body. I find them in Asia. Are you listening to me, Asia? Africa, Rome, everywhere, Indiana through the states, Africa, everywhere around the world, I find that church triumphant. Who knows you have come in the flesh. Talking about Jesus has come in the flesh. And Jesus said, every spirit, in your Bible, Jesus said, every spirit that does not confess this is the wrong spirit, the Antichrist. Every spirit that doesn't witness the same thing, that Christ has come in our flesh is the Antichrist spirit. Now, there's where you got to discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit. When it says, well, it was back in Brother Branham's day, and it'll be when someday in the future, but it isn't now. You see, that's your Antichrist spirit. That wants to make the church cold and powerless and formal. Amen. But let me tell you, friend, every spirit that doesn't witness that Christ has come in our flesh is the Antichrist spirit. Hallelujah. God is here. Where is he at? People are screaming everywhere, just like they did in his first coming. Where is he, king of the Jews? Where is he? Where is he? And here now at the death of Jesus and, and this very hour, they're wondering, where is he? And what happened to him? And why? Oh, God, why? Oh, why did you forsake us? How come you didn't answer our prayer? And you hear God was already right there in their midst performing resurrection. And I want to look at every one of you here today that have been saved by the grace of God and say, you are a resurrection. Hallelujah. We're not talking about 2,000 years ago of Jesus rising from the tomb. We're talking about you. Well, you were dead in sins and trespasses. Now he has quickened. He has made you alive. You once were dead, but now you are alive. Hallelujah. He would take the wave sheaf like a forerunner. The wave sheaf is the first of the grain. Amen. In Israel, they would have celebrations and God would require an offering to be made before they could take of the harvest. And they would go and collect the first mature grains of wheat and make a sheaf and they would take then and offer that and wave it before the Lord. And of course, you know, it was, a, it was the first fruits of the resurrection. And Jesus rose, oh hallelujah, at the same time. Now remember, he was the Passover lamb. Come on. And he raises now on the first day of the morning at the offering of the first fruits. Because he is the first fruits of the resurrection. Amen. In, the, in that sense, he is the forerunner for all of us. 
the Bible, don't get offended at that. The Bible in the book of Hebrews said he's a forerunner who went before us to enter behind the veil. But in this, he was also a forerunner in that he would be the first one of all the ages that would come to maturity. Hallelujah. The first grain that was planted all the way back with Adam. Now here it comes. And here Jesus now is the manifestation. He is the fullness of the Psalms. He is the wisdom of Solomon. Amen. He is, he is the root and the offspring of David. He is, all, he is all the words of the prophets. He is the manifestation of every promise of God. And it's all embodied in him. What was in Abraham in seed form? What was in, in Noah in seed form? What was in all of them in seed form? Here he is, the fullness of the Godhead in a body, a grain. And there on the first day of the week, while in the temple they're offering the, the, the wave sheaf, thanking God for the harvest. Here comes the first fruit of the harvest. And with him, he, he there being waved there and being accepted. Are you with me? And waved up on high. Here he comes back and raises up all the dead of the past ages. Amen. All of them from Abraham or Adam all the way down to Malachi or whoever the last one to the thief on the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. The last ones that had just went in the grave, he was the first fruits. And here he did the first fruits of the, those that slept. And he, he, he was waved there believing the rest of them would come. And they did. The Bible said when he rose and many of the saints that slept rose with him. Well, say they didn't all do it, Brother Tim. No, because there was a lot of people thought some were saints weren't saints but all that was predestinated by almighty God rose with him and ascended and he emptied paradise. He was the first fruits. Amen. And I want to just bring it down. So was God sent a ministry in this day that was a sign, a sign of a mature wheat demonstrating to us what the rest of the crop would be like. Come on now. Amen. Oh, you, you wonder what the bride should be? Just look at the forerunner. What was he like? The bride will be the same thing. Amen. Amen. Now, because Jesus was the first son of God that was come to maturity to be in God, he was plucked up from the earth and waved over the people. And then he was waved again 50, years, 50 weeks later, I mean 50 days later at, at Pentecost. It was again another waving of the loaves. It was a product of, this, of, the, of the loaves. And here he is, he, here he comes. Are you with me now? Amen. As they are waving the loaves of the bread, of the grain that has been beaten into, into, into paste and made into bread. And here they have them and they're offering to God these loaves. Amen. About that time, here come the real waving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost coming down, waving like a rushing mighty wind. 
and the disciples over the house where they're sitting there and they're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. People who were dead in sins and trespasses. Hallelujah. Here he came, waving over them. Not physically, yet it was somewhat tangible. Amen. Not visibly, maybe some saw it and others didn't, but somehow seen as pillars of fire upon them. Amen, like, like, you know, like at Sister Karen's memorial, I don't know if you know about it or what happened, but you know, as the brothers were speaking, you know, my granddaughter Leah was sitting there watching one of the plants, and she said, I want to take that one home. Why do you want that one, Leah? Because as I, as I sat there in the service and the ministry was going on, I watched that plant come out and buds break out into full bloom. Flowers that were only buds popped out as blossom and bloomed in full display. They went back in the photographs right there and took the photographs and compared them, you know, stage after stage after stage, and you can see them as they just bud out. Amen. So they popped out as blossoms and bloomed and full display. What has God shown us? I am the resurrection and life. Hallelujah. I'll take this bud into heaven, but she's going to come into full blossom. Amen. You see, that was what was happening in the upper room. They were just buds. They had just been justified and sanctified. They had just had uh, walked with Jesus and talked with him and, and were, you know, and were sanctified lives. They were just budding and believing on Christ. But now, in the presence of that pillar of fire, blossomed out as full sons and daughters of God, empowered. Hallelujah. Why? Because here he comes in his coming as son of God. The Holy Ghost pouring out over the people. Amen. But friends, that is not the only waving of the sheep. We are here in the last days. Amen. Where again the sheep is waved. Where again another crop has come to maturity. Amen. Where we saw, according to Luke 17, 30, amen, in the days when the Son of Man will be revealed or waved over the people. And we saw that the Word, he said, who is the Son of Man? It is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And that Word has been waved over us. You wonder what you're going to be like. When you see the Word, you've got to be like it. Hallelujah, the word isn't just for memorizing. The word isn't just for talking about and arguing about. The word has become flesh. Hallelujah, when that word is waved over you by the Holy Ghost, amen, what will it do? It'll produce in you a prophetic voice. It'll produce in you a life, a resurrection life. Hallelujah. Oh my, he said it was, it was, it was there, Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, and that the word is waved again over the people, that the traditions of man is dead and the Son of God is alive again and with the baptism of the Holy Spirit right among us and given us life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Them young people down there in Ohio or even you sitting here this morning, you can get the same Holy Ghost. 
that was poured out there in the Son of God dispensation not being poured out in the Son of Man dispensation. Amen, where God will take and make messiahs out of people. A people who is not going to fall. A people who won't get discouraged and fall away. A people there whose faith will not fail. Hallelujah. They can stand in adversity. They can stand in the face of death. And they can say, I know my Redeemer liveth. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So he said he was the first fruits of those that slept. In the bride coming to Christ and coming out of the church, there'll have to be a chief waved again in the last days. Hallelujah. What? Don't miss it in the bride coming of Christ. Because that's where we're at. We are in the bride coming. This is when he comes in bride form. He comes in his people. Each one of you are to receive his life. Oh, don't just make a profession of faith and stay there. Don't just get a little sanctification while I quit smoking and stay there. No, quit drinking and stay there. No, go on into your field. Overflowing. Until God's fullness comes into you. Into all of his works from justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, right into your life. Amen. That's where people are stopping today. They're stopping short of the new birth. Amen. Oh, yeah, they say, well, I, I, I believe. I believe a message. I believe God. I believe, uh, you know, yes, I, I've been sanctified. I've been cleansed of this and that. But, friends, you need to go further than that. You need where God writes his law in your heart. Like I was telling you of Ernie Villanueva and his friends there trying to, and his friend trying to introduce the message, you know, uh, smoking marijuana and, and sucking cigarettes and claiming, you know, that they had the Holy Ghost. I said, the Holy Ghost don't do that. Holy Ghost don't live that way. You might have had a profession of faith. You might believe and you might have a confession, but you don't have a possession. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost came down in that day and filled them men with the Holy Spirit of promise to the day of their redemption. Hallelujah. Now listen. So again, you see, it's the full, listen, for the first time for the bright age for resurrection out of dark denominationalism. Remember, this is a resurrection. This church is a people of the resurrection. We were once in tombs of man, bound by chains of darkness, seals put upon our tomb. But God didn't leave you that way. Hallelujah. He sent an angel, come on, who rolled away the stone who broke off the chains of the ideas of man and opened it up where you can walk out. Not the same old dead corpse you were when you went in, but with a new life, never to die again. Hallelujah. And he said, because that I live, you shall live also. Because I'm resurrected, you will resurrect also. He was speaking to his wife when he said that. 
Amen. Now, what a resurrection that was 2,000 years ago. Can you say amen? But what a resurrection this is. Hallelujah. To be made alive in Jesus Christ. Amen. To be a living church. To be a people there with the power of God. Now, listen. We can't just be a church in name only. Or the bride in name only. It's kind of like his example of two cars coming down out of the assembly line. Both of them filled up with 98 octane gas and filled to the brim. And they come out of the assembly line. You know, they've been pushed off the assembly line. They, they look alike, but one don't have any spark. No firing power. So, well, we don't need firing power. But Tim, there's power in the gasoline. There's power in the word. Well, no. You see, you have to have a spark or that, or that gasoline might as well be water. Right? Amen. In fact, you won't know if it's gasoline or not until you spark it. And no matter how much theologians claim how well we set our church in church order, how much education we got where we can spin the Bible and the message to and fro and back and forth and quote it and know, know everything. But until that wave sheet, that Holy Spirit comes upon that person to quicken that word, amen, without the Spirit, it will not move. And that's the problem. We, we fill people's tanks with knowledge. Amen. With, it, with word on top of word. Sermon on top of sermon. Until it just spills out. Till it's almost too much. And the tank is filled up and running over. Amen. They have a profession of faith, but that faith won't, that car will not move down the road to overcoming power. It has no power still over pornography. Or, or you know, still social drinking. Wearing your shorts. Amen. Acting like the world, looking like the world, doesn't have any power to give you power to rise up above sin. Amen. Because no matter how much words you have, how much truth you know, and I, you, maybe you can sit on, I, I know young men that can sit on a, a bar stool in a bar and out argue anybody in the bar because of their knowledge. But that knowledge didn't do him any good. It didn't give him overcoming power of alcohol or drugs or sex sins. Come on. Amen of the world. Are you with me? It didn't give him any power over it. But I'm telling you, friends, the Holy Ghost comes upon the word. Amen. What will it do? It will ignite a power. You can unleash the power of the word if you get the Holy Ghost in you and you can overcome any kind of sin that comes against you. Amen. You can rise up above the sin of the world and you can fly like an eagle flies. Amen. I want you to know something, friends. We didn't, we didn't get left with a car that wouldn't ride. It wouldn't run. When Brother Branham left that car, he left it running. He didn't turn it off and say days of miracles are past. He left it running. Amen. He left it and he showed it would drive to divine healing. It would drive to salvation. It would drive to resurrection power. Amen. 
Amen. It would take you somewhere. Amen. But what we've had, we've had men come along that fiddle faddle and want to turn the key off. Don't know how to turn it back on and mess with the engine every kind of way. And, and as Brother Brandon said, we put too much stress on the mechanics and not enough on the dynamics. It needs the dynamic power of God, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ upon the church to manifest and to prove that this is gasoline. Oh, it's wonderful you're reading your Bible. I'm glad. It's wonderful that you believe that it's the truth. I'm glad. But you got to get the Holy Ghost to come and ignite that word and make it live because there is a 10,000 octane power of the word of God and a Holy Ghost to light it up and to resurrect the power of God into a man's life or a woman's life or into a church that will shove the Cadillac right down the road under the dynamic power of God. Amen. There We're without excuse. Now listen, there's been many before us. Churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, brides, brides. But there's got to come one. Hallelujah. There's got to come one. Listen, God cannot give up on the project. God cannot come and do what he's done in our age and then stop. It has to progress. Come on. Amen. He cannot do it. He cannot just abandon the project. He's got to finish it. He's got to finish the work that, we, that he started. Yes. Now, let's just look at this for a moment. We are in an hour of darkness and great trouble and problems, and it's war. Right. And it's not a war against flesh and blood, but against principalities Amen. and powers in heavenly places. In other words, our, word, our, our war is against demons of every kind. If we'd have read Revelation 12, we would have seen the great battle between Michael and, and Lucifer. And this is happening in our last day. And so our, our war is against demons of all ranks, kinds, and authorities. Amen. They're attacking humans everywhere. Amen. Amen. They, and especially the children of God. I mean, come on. You, you know you've been under attack. We've been under attack. And we ask, how can we defend ourselves against them? Or lead an assault on the armies of hell and, and deliver the captives? You know, the air itself is saturated with evil spirits that, that seek to infest our bodies. If you look in Revelation 9, you would see that, that the, the, the gates or the lids of hell is opened up. And it comes like a smoke out of the furnace. And it is, it is infiltrated every crack and corner of our society. It's there. It's in the family life. It's in your schools. It's in the colleges. This, the demons have taken over our education, they're teaching, they're trying like they did in the days of Moses, you know, where the Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph rises up and to kill the children. And they're doing everything they can to destroy faith. 
So all the, you know, their classes, everything are stacked. It's against our, you know, it's against the fibers of our country, the morals of men and women. And you think, well, uh, Brother Tim, I'm on the conservative side. Can Can you imagine, you know, you've got a guy that's supposed to be the conservative voice now, Sean Hannity of the, of the of television and the conservative voice for all of us. And for governor, he brings Bruce Jenner on and calls him a great conservative. Because what? It's infiltrated conservatism. It's infiltrated the Republican Party, the Democrats. It's infiltrated. In fact, they're all giving their mind to the beast. They're all beginning to think the same way. And you want to think, oh, there's some differences here and differences there. But let me tell you, it's sin is abounding like never before. Are you with me? Amen. And, and let me just tell you, it's just saturating the air around us. There's a heaviness. Amen. Just like they were on the road to Emmaus, you know, in a moment when God's doing mighty things. And in that moment, there's death around, trouble, calamities. Seemed like unanswered prayers. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and didn't get answered the way we thought. Are you with me now? You don't think spirits don't try to settle over a crowd or over people? Do you think that the devil won't try to use current events, things that's happened in the last little while, things that you're dealing with and heard about and things that's happened in your own assembly and among your loved ones and even to, even, even to the pastor's wife? You don't think spirits won't try to settle over a crowd of people? During a battle like we have, and don't you, don't, do you not know that unbelief is going to do its best to raise its ugly head? Amen. But I want to remind you that you can't lose. Even in death, you can't lose. Yes, some of us will still go by the way of the grave. Amen. But, but that's no lack of faith. Amen. The list of the Hebrews, of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 said, these all died in faith. They were believing. Unbelief will try to raise this ugly head. Oh, yeah, even to me. Riding along the road, you know, the devil start talking to you, Brother Tim, or Tim. He didn't call me brother, thank God. Tim. You've asked God, you prayed, you prayed long prayers, you prayed through the night, you prayed day and night, you know, and, and God, it looked like God ain't even heard you. Why, there is no God, you know that, there's no God. And I just turned back to him and said, well, Satan, if there is no God, there is no devil. So you don't exist. But I know there's a God. I know he's answered prayer. I know he's delivered his people. I know I can see it in lives. I can see him go out there and take a boy 
Christmas and drag him all the way to the church, down to an altar. But it didn't end there with just an empty experience. Justin Ware is still right here today, delivered, saved, set free. Hallelujah. I look right here and see James where we belongs on the front row. Amen, right here. Never thought you would be on the front row of a church, did you? Amen, a few months ago, that was impossible. But God took a boy who had been a drunk all his life and in dope and other things and all kinds of sin. I don't know what all, but in a moment's time, changed him forever. Why? Because he's the resurrection and the life. Listen, Brother Branham's talking about this, make the valley full of dishes, ditches. God, I know that, you're, that you've sent Jesus Christ to die and to be wounded for our transgressions and with his stripes we're healed. Oh God, I believe that. I believe these people are reaching forward through that mist yonder. Out and beyond that little dark spell, over that cloud just beyond that star yonder, until their prayers are climbing now around the throne of God. Hallelujah. Oh my, don't stop now. And then, Lord, is your prophet standing between the living and the dead, anointed by the Holy Spirit. I go forward to challenge any spirit of doubt that would be here and that the children of God might be healed. Now, Satan, you are hanging around here with a question mark across the word of God you are literally disposed tonight. You're exposed. God has revealed you and told you right out where you, who you are and what you are, and you're a liar and the father of a lie. And as the church of God, as one of the members of that church, as being as born again by the Holy Spirit, being called in this world to be a prophet, and these people have confessed Jesus Christ as their healer, and interceding as a priest standing between the living and the dead, I say in the name of Jesus Christ, I break your powers and leave this building in the name of Jesus Christ and turn every one of them loose. Come out of them, Satan. Satan, leave them. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, that's what it is. It's a cloud of the devil. Sitting right there, Brian, telling you this ain't for you. That God that don't care about you. That you prayed many prayers and it don't seem like they're going to be answered. But I want you to know, amen, there is a God who answers. And a God who says, you haven't crossed the line. Amen, that there is still hope and there is still mercy and there is still grace. Hallelujah, but the Holy Ghost is for everyone the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. You don't have to believe the lie of the devil. You can choose to believe it or you can choose to believe God's word. I choose to believe God's word. Hallelujah. I choose not to live defeated. I choose not to be depressed. I choose not to retreat or to back up. I choose life. I choose to go forward. I choose to speak his name. I choose to cast out devils in his name. I choose. Hallelujah. 
You know what depression is? It's a devil cloud in your mind. He lies to you. He tries to make the words of the adversary greater than the words of God. And you forget that more powerful is great or greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Dark spirits, shadows of worry, dark spirits of gloom, veils of depression. I'll not have none of it. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spirits of wickedness in high places. Let me give you one example. This is a prayer line. Brother Brandon says to this man, I, I see what's wrong with you. You've tried in everything in the world nearly to get well, haven't you? You've been to doctors. Everything has turned you down. It's a nerve condition. Isn't that right? That's right. Nothing can help you. You've been given up, but Jesus will help you now. Do you believe me, brother? you believe it? Will you obey me as a servant? Now, you want to be healthy and have that weary and gloomy and crazy feeling like you've been losing your mind and things like that? I'll tell you where it started, on the prostate. And what really it's doing, it is a demon, and it haunts you. Isn't that right? You have no peace all, at all. Day and night, it's after you. Seems like you just get gloomy feelings in there. Isn't that right? Yes, or worry, don't sleep, nervous, getting up at night. Let's bow our heads together. Our Heavenly Father, thou art here to bless my brother, O thou Son of God, who is able to reveal the very thoughts of our heart, able to do all things, free this poor caged mortal in a cage. Uh, that he can't free himself like an eagle in a cage, beating his wings until his weary eyes fall backward. Oh, Father, be merciful to him. Thou servant knows that what he's suffering, thou demon tormenting this life in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come out of the man. Now look here, sir, it's gone, you're free. You can go out of here testifying. You feel all right now? Fine, wonderful. Go out, rejoice, and testify. Now, I can tell you what happened to you when you was a little boy down to the age, right down where you are now, the life that you lived, the things you've done, that was true, wasn't it? Every word true. Now, i tell you what will be the results in the coming future. Go out of here happy, singing, testifying, telling people God healed you. Forget you was ever nervous. 30 days from now, you'll be a different man altogether. Amen. What was it? It was an ugly, depressing spirit that was dealt with. And the atmosphere was changed. Amen. Why? Because if you can get people thinking right, amen, the right mental attitude. You see, nobody can be saved. Nobody can be saved until they believe that he is, not that he was but that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. Nobody can be saved until they believe he is. That he still saves. That he still delivers. That he still heals. Amen. You must believe he is and that he'll reward me for diligently seeking What is it? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to knock and keep on knocking. I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm going to seek and keep on seeking. I'm not backing up. 
Amen. If the door seems closed, I'm going to knock again. Amen. I'm going to knock till it's open. Amen. God's not going to get any rest until he hears me. Amen. That's the way he taught us to come. See, your mental attitude has got to be right. Unless you believe the promises for you, it ain't. It's only for believers. When you start believing, it's yours. But as long as you waller in your unbelief and your doubts and whatever, it's never going to be yours. You've got to confess it. It's mine. I want it. I want it for myself. I want it for my life. So your mental attitude has to be right because Satan knows even if you start believing mentally, he's got to go. The Bible said in Isaiah 26 and 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts us in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but a power and of love and a sound mind. You see, fear is a spirit of bondage. And you cannot be a Messiah, an anointed one, and be also anointed with fear. You've got to let the Holy Spirit anoint you. You see, fear is a spirit of bondage. It's a spirit of control. You know, you know, as, as Brother Branham would often say about this, he said, I'm trying to show people they don't have any need of being scared. The worst thing the devil can put on you is fear. If you had cancer and you didn't fear and believe God would heal you, you wouldn't be in too bad a shape. God would take care of that if you're sick, whatever it is, if you didn't fear. So fear is one of the worst things Satan can place on, upon the person. And I've tried to prove by the scripture that man is born again. The man that's born again in the kingdom of God has nothing to fear. You're absolutely safely secure in Jesus Christ. All that the Father hath given me will come. No man can come unless the Father calls him. And the Father's got to lead him up to me. And, and he, he comes to me. I will in no wise cast him out. No man can pluck him out of my Father's hand. No one is, man is greater than he is. You say, Brother Tim, I'm trying and I've tried and I've tried to find God. I tell you what, I've quit trying to find God. He's not lost. Amen, you're the one that's lost. Amen, you need to say, God, find me. Because no man seeketh after God. It's really God seeking man. And if there's a hunger in your heart at all for God, it shows that there's a God that is seeking you. And he's not going to leave you alone. He'll meet you in the night. He'll meet you in the morning. He'll meet you at a car wreck. He'll meet you there at a funeral. He'll meet you in a church service. He'll meet you anywhere. But he ain't going to lose one of his. He will seek after them. And he'll find them. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just look what the fear of COVID did. It brought to halt mighty economies. It shut down churches. It stopped governments. Fear took away freedoms. Fear took made stalwart Christians stay away from church and hide in their homes. Governments then used the fear of COVID to control populace, take away their liberty and their freedoms. 
But there's got to be somebody. I wonder if you'll be one of those somebodies. Someone that the resurrected Christ has stepped forward in their life and says, fear not. He, the resurrection one, saying out of your life, fear not. I am he that was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and hell. It's resurrection hour, church. It's where Michael stands up. And when he does, he finds the names of those that are in the book. Amen. And he there in that moment in time brings a resurrection. And the wise understand and know their God. Amen. It's resurrection hour, church. It's a time where God is transforming lives, moving in his church, working in his people. Hallelujah. Bringing deliverance everywhere. He's here. Where is he? He's got a voice on earth. What is that voice? The voice of the resurrection one. Amen. The voice of the archangel. The voice of the resurrection. What is it? You know, as, as Brother Brandon told us, for the first time for the bright age, for a resurrection out of dark denominationalism will be a message that the full maturity of the word has returned again in its full power being waved over the people. You talk about the message. What is the message? A lot of people don't have a clue what the message is about. That the full, the message is, the message is, hear me out in the, in the lands. The message is that the full maturity of the word has returned in its full power with the same signs and wonders that he did back there. That's the message. Amen. That's the crux of the whole thing. That Christ is here where? In his people. You say, well, we're people of the full maturity of the word, then words of full power with the signs and wonders that he did. Now, let me just bring it down, and I'm closing with this. You see, the world is doing everything to keep Christ dead. Churches are producing religions with a dead Christ. We preach Christ crucified. He died for us. And they're trying to keep him in a tomb. They're happy with him dead. There's a lot of message churches, you're happy with him dead too. You don't want him in your service. You don't want him anointing songs. You don't want him in worship. You don't want him even in anointed preaching, just dry, you know, and even in salvation, dried-eyed confessions. Amen, they just wanted dead, a dead form. We've had enough of dead forms. We've had thousands of years now of dead forms, dead creeds, dogmas of man, producing dead people. People still dead in their sins and trespasses. Preachers in the pulpit, homosexuals, dead. Amen, perverts, dead. Womanizers, dead. Deacon boards, dead. Churches, dead. Why? Because they want to keep him dead. 
I got news for you. Even my wife isn't dead. She's more alive than she ever was. And not only, not only was she healed, she got a greater healing than ever. My last conversation that I would have with her, I would ask her, Karen, are you ready to meet the Lord? I said, I believe I know that answer, but I just want to hear you say it. She said, oh, yes, Tim. I'm ready to meet him. I said, a year ago we were here, Karen, this very same place. The doctors had given you up and said you wouldn't live. God's given us another year. It's been a miracle. I said, we had 44 years of marriage then, and I told Timothy, as we sat in the early morning, son, this is it. If today is the day, I have no regrets. I said, Karen, we're here now a year later, and we've had 45 years of marriage. And I still say, we have no regrets. I have none, no regrets. What about you? She said, Tim, I've had a good life. I've had a wonderful marriage. Yes, I have no regrets. But today, she's a young woman again. She has escaped beyond the powers of death and what sickness can do into an immortal body that can never perish or fade away. And a world that's more real than this world. And how do you even know that world is there? Because I've heard from that world. And its transforming power changed my life. You say, but this is nothing but just another cult, Brother Jim. This is a cult. That's all it is. This is a cult and a cult worship and a cult following. Well, I'll tell you what. A cult that will change a life. That it take a George Winters. Amen. To take his little wife, Tricia, who's right now, both of them are sick at home, but his wife, Tricia, there, a chain smoker. There, couldn't give them up. A mother who never could give them up. A chain smoker, addicted, held in bondage, and there one moment in God's presence took away the desire forever. What is it we heard from another world? Man can't do that. What has happened here, AA couldn't do. The pledges, the promises, the remembrance. I, you know, I'll always turn to the bottle for dependence when I get in a crisis. But when God comes, he takes away every desire of it. You see, we were in a horrible condition. Mankind was lost. Men would go down the grave for they're never to rise again until Jesus came. When he came, he said, because I live, you will live also. And oh, what a resurrection that was, but then what a resurrection this is. 
Listen, closing with this. And today they're trying to keep Christ in a tomb. And they are. But oh, what an Easter morning did. An Easter morning ruined all their theology. When Easter morning came for people here, a church 1,900 years later, and, and it ruined their theology. He's not dead. He's alive forevermore. And they can't keep him in no tomb. You can put him in a Methodist tomb, a Baptist tomb, or a Presbyterian tomb, or whatever you want to, but he raised out of that tomb, and he's alive today. He said, I had a Baptist tomb. You might have had a Methodist tomb, but one day Jesus rose from there from a historical God to a living, present God, alive forevermore. Hallelujah. And he rose out of there. And the people in this day, he, we raised up out of creeds of man, out of tombs of religion. And we will never be sealed back in there again. And because he lives, I live also. Resurrection life is within us. Let me, bow, let me ask you to bow your head for a moment. Maybe you're in a tomb of no religion. Haunted there with doubts, fears, unbelief, darkness. The tomb is sealed. There's no light. The casket is locked. Darkness. Maybe Satan's locked your casket. You're sealed away in a tomb. Maybe every kind of unbelief imaginable holding you bound. Maybe sins of the past. Spirits of darkness of your of your past is holding you back. But I'm here to say you don't have to stay dead. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. You can have that abundant life today. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe your praise is, that you have is just formal and it's as cold as a cold hand in a grave. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're, your life, your spiritual life, oh, come on. Don't call yourself a Christian and you're committing fornication. Don't call yourself a Christian and you're living a life of sin and still in alcohol and other things, drugs, and fornication, filthiness. Of the flesh. Don't call yourself a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're still dead. But you can have a resurrection today. You don't have to continue in a life of sin. Today, sin can stop here. Brother Tim, I didn't understand everything you said. Well, just understand this part.
when the prodigal son came to Jesus or came to the father he said my son which was dead is alive again what about you what about you Some of you, right now, have stepped over into a bottomless pit. And you can't get back. And you try and you try and you can't get back. So I'm going to do good and you just try your best to get up a Again, and you just fall again, and deeper and down you go. You're just turning over and over and over. So then I'm hopeless, Brother Tim. You've already gotten me in a hell. Yeah, you are in a hell. But you see, right now, there is that hand of mercy that can reach right out. When you cry out to him, Lord God, save me, I perish. And reach out and catch you. And stop the fall. And take you and put your feet on a solid rock. On solid ground. You don't have to continue the fall, friend. You can be changed. Maybe the Holy Spirit just speak into your heart today. There's some little something down. I, I believe God is real. I got told William Butts the other days when he told me, Brother Tim, I want to call you. I want to tell you I got the Holy Ghost. I said, Son, it's real. And he said, Yes, sir, it's so real. It's not a fantasy, it's not a fake. It's a reality of the living God. Won't you let him change your life today in his presence? While there's still mercy, while there's still grace. Like when I said to my wife the other day, honey, we don't know when the Lord might call. I don't know, darling. He may call me before he calls you. I don't know. But here we are in the hospital. Are you ready to meet him? I know the answer, but will you just tell me how you feel in your heart? She can look at me with a clear mind and say, Yes, Tim, I'm ready to meet him. Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready to meet him? He's calling your name today speaking to you let him talk to you right now would there just be somebody here that would just lift a hand to God and say remember me Lord remember me I really need you I need a savior I need help Lord I'm hopeless I'm helpless and I need you Jesus God sees your hand dear one he sees your hand 
You're just reaching out. I need you, Jesus. And many of you would say, Brother Tim, I've been justified and sanctified like, a, like the apostles was, and I quit this and that, but I, I realize today I need a real baptism of the Holy Ghost in my life. I'm asking Jesus to come to me. God bless you, sir. He sees your hand. Maybe somebody else. Just make a hand toward God right now as he speaks to you. God sees you. God sees you. What are you saying, Brother Tim? Does God really love me? God so loved the world. He so loved you. Let's make it personal. That he gave his only begotten son. He so loved you. Then he left all of glory just to come down among men. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every soul that reached out to you. And I pray, Lord God, that you'll just speak to them today by your Holy Spirit. Let a little warning bell go off, Lord, that has just warned them in their soul there's just something more they need, something more than their yesterdays, more than that they ever could imagine. They need you. I pray, Lord, that you'll move in their lives, that you'll take sin and darkness from them. Like Brother Philip saying, no one else could take sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. I pray that you'll do it, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, don't let one of them be lost, Father. Touch them. Touch them. May they hear the voice of God and turn around today. May they, may they know that they can, you can make a Messiah out of them, an anointed one of God. Set aside sin in this generation to be a light bringer in a time of darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus.
right now.